Psalm 119. I want us to read together just a few verses from this psalm. Verses 121 through 128. I have done judgment and justice Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. I have made void thy law. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Tonight I want us to think on those words from one, uh, verse 126. It is time for thee to work, for they have made void thy law. I do not propose to make any kind of political allusions to things tonight. But I do have a thought that perhaps the days that are ahead for those that name the Lord Jesus will be more challenging than the days that we have gone through in the past. How do we then look at these days ahead? How are we to view what we see as an encroaching evil at every side? And believe me, there are so many that you probably would not be able... To to enumerate them all, and if you were, you'd be so discouraged that you probably would not be able to hardly go through your day. How are we to deal with this? How are we to consider this? What is to be the mindset of our hearts? That is what I want us to think on, and I want us to uh, take as a title for our time tonight, Time for Thee to Work. Time for Thee to Work. But before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to bless His Word. Father, now we would pray that you will bless the word of God. We pray that you will cause us to be those who have hearing ears, open hearts, ready minds. Lord, a faith that is fastened and a love that is fanned by the spirit of God. We pray that you will allow us to be those who are instructed of what the expectation of our God is. Not the way that our hearts and minds would want to lead us, but rather how our God would lead us. We pray that you will give us instruction yourself tonight from the word of God. Help me as I serve and I pray. Close us in with thyself. We would ask, allow us to have hearts and minds that are captivated by the sweet spirit of God. Being led to truth. Being led to embrace what we find from the hand of our God. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. In our text, we have a statement from the psalmist that is a monumental 
statement. And I say it is not just a statement of mere observation. But rather it is an exclamation that he makes out of desperation. His heart is exercised. His mind is overwhelmed. His thoughts do not seem to be thoughts of anything that is pleasant or that which would be hopeful. He is out of desperation saying before God, it is time for thee, O Lord. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. For they have made void thy law, the the law of God. Or may we put it, the word of God. It has been dealt with by the ungodly as if it is trash to be cast away. The picture, that is what is being said. They have made the law of God is considered by the ungodly that which is to be thrown away. In fact, if you take that word void, it suggests a couple of different thoughts. First, void is an estimation of emptiness. The ungodly consider the word of God as empty. Or, may we say it this way, it has no weight, it has no value. Further, there is then in that a implication that there is the judgment that there is no consequence then if that law is abandoned. It is empty. It is worthless. It is of no value. Get rid of it. There's no consequence if you do. There is no guilt. It is broken. There is no guilt if it is cast away. Say that's the picture here. That's the framework. In other words, the psalmist is saying that the ungodly judge the word of God as being empty first of any authority. Not only is there no need to answer to the word, but the ungodly go to war to establish that what they see as authoritative in their own minds. It is a product of their own carnality. I would suggest to you that here you have, in a sense, the statement of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 explained. He says in chapter 8 of Romans verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's the point. Those that are the ones that esteem the word of God as empty of all authority are at war against the Lord. That is the state that the psalmist sees. The oppressor, the persecutor, has now made void, counted as trash, the word of God, and he is at war with it. The ungodly also then, in seeing it as empty, see the word of God as void of truth. The word of God is no longer light. It is not a measure of right and wrong. It is not to be a resting place for the heart and mind. In fact, their calculation is that it is actually a danger that creates ideas that challenge the desire of the wicked. 
truth of God, the law of God is empty of truth. So it is to be challenged. Further, the word of God is seen as void of power. Their estimation is that there's never ever been anything proven by the word of God. It does not bear out in the lives of the ungodly. There is no application. There is nothing that ever is seen, nor does it have any sway in their thinking. Nothing has ever come good of following the word of God, is their estimation. It is void. It is empty. You know, when you take the attitude of the ungodly to the word of God, it's no wonder then that you read that when the Lamb judges the ungodly that it will be the word of his mouth that is the sword that destroys revelation chapter 19 and when the psalmist calls for god to work it is really the request for god to do do something oh god my god you act Because this is what has happened with your word. It is not my word. It is not the word of another man. It is your word, O God. It is your law. They have treated it as trash. They treat you as if you are their estimation of the word. Work, O God. But the question is, when the psalmist says, do You might be asked, do what? What is he saying that he needs to see God do? Is this here a call for stern judgment by God? Well, I'll make a comment at this point and say this. I was reminded recently, I think it was the statement of Dr. Cairns actually at one point, that says that God never judges out of just pure vindiction. God always judges. His judgment brings an end. And that end is always good. And for the people of God, it's always good. God does not bring judgment. Judgment of bringing judgment. So even though we might say, we desire to see God judge, the Lord's idea of the ultimate end of judgment at least in this world, ultimate, the ultimate judgment, of course, would be the destruction of the wicked forever. But in this world, it's always to an end. That end is always his own glory and the good of his people. So, I would ask this. What is, then, to be the desire of God's people? Are we to be those, when we read these words, and we would pray these words ourselves before God, is it to be our heart's desire that the Lord would just simply come in stern judgment? Upon those that make void the law of God. I might even ask you further. Is this how God vindicates himself? And I will say. To answer this. We must look at the Lord Jesus. And I will readily say to you this evening. That how I would respond. How. And I'm saying this. um, Admitting. Admitting. My response to when I see men do that which is, as we are suggesting, would be far different from the Lord's. And I preach to myself when I things I'm going to say tonight. How should we respond? And again, we must be those who follow Christ. Christ is our shepherd. Christ is our teacher. Christ is all things for us 
not only the example, but he is himself the law to us. What we see in him, how he reacts, how he deals with men, how he comes forward and presents himself is then our guide. We look at Christ. And so I'm going to say, and I say this uh, again, admitting that my heart's response to what I'm saying, because I am a fallen man, fallen man is probably very much different than what I'm saying, but I will still say this because this is right. God best conquers with the outpouring of mercy. God best conquers by the outpouring of mercy. In fact, those are the sentiments of Habakkuk 3 and verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Is that not what we want to see? Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. It might be that we would think when God revives his work in the midst of years, it will be because God is full of wrath and he lets those that are the ungodly have it. But here's the word. As you do your work of revival, as you do that work of restoration, as you do that work of reclamation, remember mercy. I will simply remember, uh, suggest to you that the Lord Jesus, when he was before his oppressors, showed meekness and gentleness. Now I say to you that that is enormous as a lesson to us. We must not be unlike Christ. He showed meekness and gentleness. When Paul, or should we Paul, Pilate, they both hated the Lord Jesus in their early Paul did in his early days, probably with the same amount of venom. But Pilate asked the Lord Jesus or says to him, Do you not answer? Do you not understand that I have power to crucify or I have power to release? Now here's the point I want you to see. Christ was beside himself when he made for he was completely aware that nothing occurred but what was given by the hand of the Father. You I need to be understanding there is nothing given to any man or any group or any movement but what is allowed and given by the hand of the Father. If it was not, it wouldn't be. I said, here's the needful thought. And I want that thought, that truth, and then come back to this verse and for us in light of we are to be followers of Christ. We are to be like Christ. As is so must be. It's told us over and again, Matthew chapter 5. Men treat me like this, they're going to treat you like this. But be 
like Christ. So I say then, when we look at this verse itself, we would have to say this. It is first a confession. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. What's that saying? Saying, Lord, (laughs) we are not able to do anything to stem the tide of what has arisen by those who make void the law of God. It's time for you to work because we can't work. It's time for you to do because we are unable to do. I say this is a most accurate statement. And yet, having said that, you still have to put up against that the words of Christ that says, and yet the gates of hell shall not prevail. How do these two things go together? We cannot do, but yet the Lord says the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against the church and against the ministry of the gospel. And I will just simply remind you that I believe the truth is this. The mercy of God that flows to sinners is that which breaks the gates of hell. The mercy of God, the mercy of God that flows in the gospel that flows through the words and acts of the people of God, helped of God, breaks the gates of hell. Now I'll tell you what. The powers of darkness do not understand mercy. They hate mercy. Because it's what that what breaks their power. The dark side of things, that which is against the law of God hates mercy. It cannot withstand mercy. It cannot stand up to mercy. Again, I put before you what the Lord says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Hear it. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We're going to see much of this, I think, in the days that are ahead. But here's the reason. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You do this that you might be like Christ. You do this because you are the child of your Father that is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 also says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now let me ask you a question. Do we need to see the mercy of God? Do you need to see the mercy of God? Well, what's the way that the Lord gives us? Instructing us is the way to find mercy for our own souls. We are to be like Christ in mercy. In our case, let me stress to you, the way is not to tolerate evil or to look away from evil, but rather to be merciful. We don't excuse sin. We don't make allowance for sin. We don't turn the blind eye to sin. But there is to be mercy. We speak the truth. We warn. 
We share the gospel. And so I say mercy includes strength to stand when it costs. The wicked will seek to cause the righteous to embrace evil. They will. They'll put the pressure on for us to embrace evil. So what do we do? Point number two. This is a confession, but number two, it's also a plea. It is a plea. Here is the approach in prayer. Here is the most apparent application of our text. It is a plea. You are familiar with the words of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you say, well, what is this plea? What is it that we're asking the Lord to do then as we come before our God and we pray these words? What is it that we're asking the Lord to do? Simply this. It is a prayer that goes much like this. Lord, come and pour forth victorious mercy. (laughs) Bring victorious mercy. In other words, bring revival. While you're moving first to me. To me. Make that which is done in my own heart. That I might be like the Lord Jesus. Then let us see the mercy of God pour forth to save sinners and undo the virulent hatred that is being outpoured. And again, I stress to you there is no other answer to our situation that we're facing in the days that are ahead but the revival of God. And the revival of God is encased in the idea of mercy. That God is merciful to his people by doing a work that stirs their hearts to seek him, to lay hold of him, to fasten to him, to follow him, to be like him. And then we see the Lord outpouring his mercy in the spirit of God going forth to gather sinners to himself. Again, let me stress to you, I I say this with all earnestness, mercy is not something that the fallen heart has within. You don't have mercy within yourself. You're not by nature merciful. Do you understand that? Because of the fall, you are not merciful. It was lost by the fall. Mercy is a gift that is given, given entirely from without. You say, well, there's a a bit of a paradox. I don't have mercy within me. And yet the Lord Jesus says that the merciful shall obtain mercy. How does that work? I don't. Well, let me say this. The Lord calls us to exercise what little mercy has been given already that I may obtain more mercy. You say, what? No, no, no. It's being like the Lord Jesus. The more we are like the Lord. We're in the place where we will be seeking the Father as He We will obtain that which is His purchased grace. The mercy of the Lord, new every morning. Verse that we're dealing with here tonight is also, in many ways, a plan. It is a confession, it is a plea, but it's also a plan. The call is for the Lord to come and make himself known. Lord, come and make yourself known that I may follow. Do you know it's very difficult for you to follow somebody you can't see? 
Lord, I need to see you. You need to come to me. You need to come to my brother. You need to come to, our, to your church. You need to come and allow yourself to be seen that we may follow you, that we may be like you. We need to see the Lord Jesus. I say to you plainly, this is the desperate thing that we are needing to plead to God for. Lord, this is the plan for revival. Let us see Christ. Let us follow Christ. Again, this, our only plan is to follow Christ. Can I remember as a young student minister hearing Dr. Karen's testimony about his own call to preach and what he saw the need for preaching was and his comment was God has called me to preach Christ to build the church by the preaching of Christ P.S. I have no plan B that's it. You and I don't have when it comes to do something in our country to stem the tide of the evil that is arising. We have a plan B. You may say, "Well, no, it is." What we need to just wait two years and by we'll 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 change this and that and we'll be have and we'll get this person elected and then this will be, you don't have plan B. None of that is going to work. None of that will work. Evil is always more clever in its way than those that are of the light. The Lord tells us they are going to be sinister. They will be. We don't have a way to outthink, outclever, outtactic them. We cannot do this. Our plan is plan A, and that is to follow Christ. And when we follow Christ, we see Christ working in our hearts. And then hopefully, as the Lord works in our hearts, it will enable us to be used of Christ to work in others' hearts. And as that goes forth, then we will see, hopefully, the mercy of God. Do not get your mind and heart set on all the things. I mean, you can follow this person's blog and that person's web page and this other thing, and you can get all It will not change anything. I confess, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you very, I'm preaching it myself here. I am, there's a couple of people that if they write something, I want to read it. I'm not going to name any names, ask me afterwards. If they were, and I say, I, I like this person's insight. I, I am with, I, but you know what? What I see that person saying, unless he's saying, follow Christ, is not helpful. It's not the answer. It might be, well, we, you know, this and that. You can say this other thing. It's not. Is what is going to change. We need to see a revival again of God. That's what changes things. This country was built, the foundation, and by the way, this country has lasted as a constituted nation for 250, almost 275 years because it was based on the truth of the gospel of the word of God. We were here probably 150 years before that. 
all that time, the same thing is true. Now the enemy has come in like a flood. What is going to bring us back around to the nation that we used to be? It's getting back to what was the founding thoughts. We must follow Christ. I'll tell you, in fact, my mind is this. We need to see the Red Sea opened again. And I tell you, my perspective on what's going on in this day is that Pharaoh is in his chariot. And his intent is plain. Do not misunderstand what the tactics and what the purposes are. Those that are going on out, or what's going on out there, it's the same. Well, let the Lord open our way. Let the Lord open our way that we might go on with him. We might follow him. We might go through the sea with him. And let me just simply say, it was not the place, and I'm saying this, and you can make the connection in your own mind. It was not the place of the people of Israel to say in their minds that they desired to go back to Egypt so that they could reform Egypt. When God moves forward, we go on with God. So I say to you this evening that this is a very straightforward prayer. And it is all of Christ. It is all of his power. We need to see his power in us to live as he would have us. And for him to do what we cannot do. There I say is the, pl- the way forward. I Again, I preach to myself. My reactions always tend to be, well, let's go get them. No. 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 Wrong. Wrong. The way is to follow Christ and pray for overwhelming, victorious mercy to be known in our land again. Well, those are my thoughts. May the Lord allow it to be used in whatever way he sees fit for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I pray that you will let the word of God do its work within. pray that you will cause us to be those that hear, realize that we are to follow the shepherd. We are to follow the cloudy pillar. We are not to fear though Pharaoh and his chariots are coming. Our God is still God. I pray that you will let our hearts rest there. But Lord, I pray that you will let us also see you determine that now is the time for mercy to flow through the valley. We pray that you will let us know a time again in which you will move in our hearts, in our homes, to get us to live loose to the things that are of no account, that don't matter in this life, that we might live for things that do. O Christ, come and help us, we pray, for we are a weak, and we confess we are often a faithless and silly people. We pray that you'll help us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.